it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Oh, got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome in to the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the American Raptors. I'm Henry Chisholm, and we've got Matt McChesney with us today, um, who you know from his time in the with the Buffs, early 2000s, um, from uh, his time in the NFL, spent six years as a pro there, trains all sorts of NFL guys, trains all sorts of CU guys and guys who play at colleges across the country. Incredibly accomplished as a strength coach, offensive line coach, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but you guys know all that. You know who Matt McChesney is. Uh, how's it going, Matt? seems like it might be a tough day after a rough weekend for you. Um, I mean, overall, I'm really good, good. Like, personally. But from a perspective of, like, football and being able to process all this bullshit, I'm mm-hmm. pretty terrible. I mean, I uh, Man, I, I am really, really, really frustrated with a lot of different things that we're going to get into. And I'm glad oh, we're yeah. not talking about the Buccos today, too. I've actually got uh, Ryan Koningsberg on the podcast Wednesday. I'm going to come down to the studio. We're going to sit there and banter a little bit. And I really respect Ryan's opinion a ton uh, on both the bus and the Broncos. So I'm, I'm really excited to have him on. And we can go back and forth about a lot of shit because I don't think we really agree on some stuff, but I think we see eye to eye on most. So I'm pretty excited about that. But uh, Henry, brother, um, I don't know if I've ever been this wrong about a college football team in my life, and I'm not afraid to admit it. Like, I really, really thought that we had a very, very good team in front of us that was going to be able to, like, set the foundation for uh, a return to what we've been, what we missed, like what – Buffalo fans miss so much, myself included. And like, I'm damn near emotional about all this shit, bro. Like it's really, really starting to fucking hurt me inside. Cause I, I know the character of those kids up there and how much they love it and how hard they work. And I just, I don't, I can't stand the, I can't fucking stand what's happening right now. And I think it's fixable, but man, there's gotta be some real hard conversations and it's really fucking hurting me emotionally, bro. Like, this is not cool. It, it's We've got to get this fixed or we are running the risk of being irrelevant in the most relevant time in college football history for this game. And it's so fucking heartbreaking that it keeps happening like this. Yep. I'm right there with you. And on top of it, I mean, it, it's not even that, that we were too high on them preseason, which I, I mean, I guess we were. But even as recently, bro, I thought they went 10 games. But even as recently as after that Texas AM loss, we were still saying, like, oh, it's a three point loss, number five team in the country. There's a lot to like. But ever since that point, it's just been three weeks where, I mean, they've lost every game by at least 22 points. They can't get anything going offensively. 
and, and it's just a pretty dire time for CU football. Um, luckily, they're hitting a bye week, and they probably have the two most winnable games on the schedule coming up right after the bye with Arizona and then uh, Cal right after that. Uh, so the plan for the for today, for today's show, uh, we are going to be talking about what needs to change over the course of this next, I mean, two weeks or so before the buffs hit the field again. Um, and we, we should probably dig in because there's a lot to talk about. Um, I just want to start with, uh, in broad terms, is this fixable? You know, have we seen from this team just, just so much bad that we just have to accept that maybe they beat Arizona and this is a two-win team? Or, or is there really a path still to winning five, maybe even six games and getting bowl eligibility? Or do they just not have it this year? No, I think it's fixable. I, I do. I think it's fixable if they really, really look at what they have <laughs> and then apply a plan that fits that personnel. I feel like the defense has the personnel and the scheme to be really successful if they can ever get any support for the love of God, whatever, yep. anything, we are dead last in the country in offense, dead fucking last. So, yes, I think it's fixable, Henry, but I, I also think that it has to be looked at realistically. And I, with the bye week now and everything that's going on, I'd like to think that's going to happen. But, bro, look. I was on the sideline there, okay, mm-hmm. and, and on Saturday, and I was very involved Saturday, and I only try to do that once a year. I, I probably won't do it again this year, but I was, in, I was in the locker room. I was with J.J. and Westbrook and Chris Hudson and myself, and Lawrence Vickers was there pretty much all day. We were with Coach Cabral pretty much all day, and it was amazing to be around everybody because we know what we were. I can hold my head really high at that place because I was part of an era that, where we fucked people up and hit them in the mouth. And it was, we didn't win every game by any means, but it was a dogfight constantly. And you knew as a CU fan or a student or an ex-player or a recruit that you were going to go see a very competitive football team that gave a shit and we're going to leave it all on the field. And I see that in those young men I, there. I do. The, the hurt on Brady Russell's face and Casey Roddick and Frank Philippe and Jake Wiley and Nate Lamman and Carson Wells and Perry and all the Gonzalez and those guys who went up there and just, and Broussard, the, the pain in their face is real. I can see it. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to keep it together because no one's, no one's going to get anything out of reacting like a goddamn fan. So when you sit there on the sideline and all you hear is, you're sucked, you're terrible, you're fucking awful, fire everyone, you're terrible. Stop going to the game, dog. Stop. Keep your keep your negative ass in the parking lot or don't come. You have every right to be pissed off. I am torn apart inside about this shit. But you cannot go nuclear negative and expect anything positive to come out of it. It's not fucking realistic. So I think there's tons of change that needs to happen. And it, all of it starts offensively with scheme and attitude and being realistic about what the fuck is going on. And it's not like we can't talk about what happened with Carl. I'm sure we're going to get into that. Mm-hmm. We have to talk about Shiverini. And look, I love Darren. He's a personal friend. Not only that, he's the offense coordinator at the school that he played for. The guy knows what he's doing, but his quarterback can't complete a fucking pass and refuses to throw the ball. So I don't know what you do with that except replace him. And they don't have anybody to replace them with, or they replace them, I'd have to think. I, I, I'm still torn about that as well. So, brother, there are so many things that need to be discussed. And the offensive line is probably the number one thing we start with. That's why I didn't bring it up. So, Henry, quarterback this motherfucker, bro. Let's go. Let's go. There is so much to talk about. And I like that we're going into the offense first. Um, because I do agree that 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 is the problem. The defense will find a way as long as they have a reason to keep playing hard or if they aren't getting put in bad situations. Um, and, and offensively, let's let's just start with this offensive line. You know, it was a group that was pretty good last year. Um, maybe not the best in the Pac-12, but was obviously helping Jarek Broussard put up 200 rushing yards a game. You lose Will Sherman, you get just about everybody back. Sure, there's a little bit of rust with Frank Phillip, but it does seem like this group should be producing quite a bit more than they, they have to this point in the season. So 
Um, first of all, what is the problem with this offensive line? Like when you turn on the tape and just watch these guys go, what is the biggest, most glaring problem that you see from these guys? Okay. So number one, consistency. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say consistency from the coach down. And this is what I mean. There's no captain on the offensive line. No one knows who to look at when things get tough. And I know I've harped on this in the past and I'm going to continue to, but the fucking C on the chest of your captain, there's a reason they do it in the NFL. And there's a reason coach Barnett did it. And it's, I'm not just sitting here beating the cliche drum. It's fucking important. So when you don't have that guy that you can look at, who's the consistent member, that's the captain seeing that means consistency and captain. And that guy's usually your best player. And we don't have that on the offensive line. That's number one. Number two, they flip sides. So how can you get in a groove if you're being asked to play left and right tackle, left and right guard? And there's no consistency in the lineup. They just insert dudes. Mm-hmm. One minute he's playing tackle. The next minute that guy's playing guard. The next minute we got a new center. The next minute he's back in. So the consistency part of this has got to, to stop or, or start. All this mm-hmm. bullshit and trying to just rearrange everything, thinking that we're just going to start like the, a fire with this group after it's been rearranged is not realistic. Mm-hmm. So this is what I would do, okay? The left tackle is Frank Philippe, and he stays there, and he doesn't move. He's always the left tackle. He continues to be the fucking left tackle, and that's it. He's the left mm-hmm. tackle, okay? You put Kerry at left guard, 58, because he's brain. He's a really good athlete. And he can handle people one-on-one. Him and Frank next to each other can be lethal. I like 65 at center, but he's got to pick his shit up and be more consistent. You know what I'm saying? I like Colby. He's a really good player. I'm not going to change the lineup by any means because there's no reason to. It's just a matter of consistency. I put Casey on the right side next to Jake, two guys who are extremely familiar with each other. And my man Jake Wiley needs all the help he can get. And the veteran Casey Roddick can provide that leadership to him, the same way we saw Reisner provide the leadership to Garrett Bowles. What happened with Reisner left the fucking field? Bowles got eaten alive yesterday. It's a it's consistency. So those are my starting five. And then I would get some consistency in our run game scheme. I'm not saying they can't run outside zone. But outside zone is a, an, art, an art form. It's a true art form, Henry. And when you're looking at outside zone, and, and what, it, what it entails is when you're in this spread system and you're not beating people up at the point of attack, how do I say this? It makes it really hard for them to start over-pursuing enough for you to run outside zone consistently enough to get good angles. Does that make sense? Like when that does you've make got, sense. When you've got the ability to move people vertically, the, the linebackers have to stay within a box. When you can run outside zone effectively, but then you never run bootleg, you never run sprint out, you don't run any adjustments off of them. Why would they bite on outside zone enough to get proper angles on them? They just sit in the box. So our scheme is running outside zone to death because look, I'm on the sideline there. I know what they're talking about. They talk, the players talk to me constantly off the field and on the field. I mean, people aren't blind mm-hmm. so when when you hear like we're just running zone well is it inside zone is it out or are you just running zone so that's very that's very elementary to me bro this is a very complex system that could be implemented and they're doing some elementary shit and i hate it i hate it because our personnel should be gap scheme and vertical presence double team people and the, the thing about the double teams that is killing me right now I watched this on tape and I watched it in person the other day. They are shoulder to shoulder, head to head, double team. They should be hip to hip, shoulder to shoulder, heads up, four eyes on the second level, four hands or three in an outside hand, whichever side is is going to chip and carry. That hand's free. So three to four hands on the down to feel where he's going, four eyes on the second level so we can jump off. You play hip to hip. Have you ever seen those like the, the ball things that, you drop one ball and then ricochets the interior three and the other one pops off. Yeah. I don't know yeah, what those yeah. are called. The, like a, a perpetual that's motion thing. Line. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That's all offensive line play is. Mm-hmm. 
It's the ability to play with your hips and those hips are the balls. So you play a hip through, you play a hip through, you play a hip through. When they're double teaming people and their eyes are down and they're looking at the ground, of course they're going to struggle with the second level defender who's coming like a fucking banshee in the A gap or B gap. Mm -hmm. And then consequently, bro, when they're running outside zone, the guard leaves so early and you see him trying to post hand and that's fine, but he leaves so damn early that the defensive lineman makes the play. So we're negating the point of both the blocks with how it's taught. That's number one. Number two, the lack of, of lining up in 12 personnel, 13 personnel, which is one back, two tight ends, one back, three tight ends. And one of those tight ends can be Brady Russell, who can move to a fullback position in the backfield. And you can have 22 out of that or 21 out of that, however the fuck you want to look at it. But the ability to line up with a fullback on the field and multiple tight ends with quality splits and consistent positions so you know who the puller is and you know who the point is and then run fucking power at people at altitude down their throat that's the personnel you have this cute bullshit they do now is not working number one number two it's not supposed to it doesn't work if you never move the pocket and you have no passing game. There's no reason for anybody to run to space that we need to exploit to get the angles to run the goddamn play correctly. So if we don't figure out a way to get vertical and physical and consistent, we're fucked. There's no power. There's no double pull counter. I saw a double pull counter versus UNC. I don't know why they don't do it anymore. There's no scissor motion. And scissor motion is like, if they're going to run inside zone and everybody's working together in a gang call, right? Everybody's got the inside gap of the other guy and you're playing together five as one. That's when Brady Russell lines up on this side, cuts all the way backside, cuts out the defensive end there. It creates a huge cutback lane for Broussard or whoever the back is. And then you get to annihilate the three technique as you climb to the second level linebacker. If it's, if the linebacker is behind the three technique, it's a deuce heavy. If he's in front of the three technique, we can ricochet or post hand it. It's not that fucking difficult. But if you don't know how to teach it and you can't go out there and sweat with them and get nasty with them and show them what the fuck they're doing and how to do it, you're going to struggle implementing it. And there's no trap, bro. The physical nature of football never changes. We can be spread and still fucking annihilate you at the point of attack. That's what our personnel is best suited for. And we have great cutback runners, but we have no lanes to cut back into because no one is afraid of the quarterback running number one that and that's the next part of this if we're not going to bootleg and sprint out and he's not going to run there's absolutely nothing we can do moving forward there's no reason for him to be on the field because he can't complete balls standing there throwing naturally correct absolutely absolutely okay so the next part of the running game and how we fix it in my opinion is 11 on 11 quarterback power out of full house looks out of 12 to 21 to 22 to 13 to 23 personnel and going vertical up the field and draining clock and supporting our defense and understanding that we cannot throw the football and putting Lewis in a position where he has 20 carries a game. And if we do that, the defense will play lights out much better because they won't be on the field all game. And we will win. It's like an Air Force game plan without the triple option. Mm-hmm. You know, that I'm telling me. you, I know it sounds easy, but that, in, in my opinion, you do that on the offensive line and offensively, and it's much more complex than that. You'd have to get in there and really, like, change the way they're being taught things. Mm-hmm. But, brother... This is what I do for a fucking living. So I'm not going to sit here and act like it's not attainable. It is one fucking hundred percent fixable. If you have the right people to fix it, that want to fix it. And everybody's not worried about goddamn feelings and like whose fucking feelings and egos are going to get hurt because we have to change something. Yep. And I do think that this is the time when we're going to see some changes, you know, after, after the game, Carl came to us and said, um, you know, we need to figure out what we're good at and do that. And it's not that we haven't been trying to do that. It's that we must just be wrong about what we are good at and what our strengths are. And so that's the scheme kind of, is bad. 
The scheme is bad. The scheme is bad. To not just be going bad. consistently heavy and, and pounding the ball and, and trying to build off that just bad. You know, you look at the Ravens yesterday and all the fun stuff that they do. I mean, there, there was the one play that got called back, the touchdown to Mark Andrews, where it's a fake quarterback power to the right. Like, he tucks the ball like he's running, then steps back because the entire defense is sucked in, just drops the ball way in over the top into the end zone to Mark Andrews. And just and what, and why is kind of, there something bad about that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, let's see. Should we let's not take a break quite yet. I, I want to get your thoughts on the on the pass protection, too, because I mean, it, it's not like the only struggles have been in, in the running game for the offensive line. They've also struggled to protect Brendan Lewis. And on, on the couple of occasions where, you know, it, he, he I don't know, it is weird because about half the sacks are on him for holding the ball and about half are because he gets buried so quickly. All right. So the pass protection also is fixable. Um, but but I, I think that, number one, you have to throw the goddamn football on time. So much so much will change if we have competent quarterback play. And I don't care that he's young, and I don't care that he's obviously sensitive because he can't be criticized and shit, but people are pissed off, and they don't want him to, they don't want him to play quarterback anymore, and I'm one of them. Like, I, they got to replace this kid. And talking about ruining confidence, I mean, for the love of God, I wouldn't be surprised if he transfers and moves to safety just never to play quarterback again if this continues. So what are we just talking about? Confidence? Get the fuck out of here with this. So, like, we need to be able to, to throw the ball on time when there's off coverage. We need to be able to throw the ball to the middle of the field. His footwork is terrible. He's, like, jumping to throw the ball half the time when he completes it. The completion to Brady Russell was, like, Total luck, him just like, oh, my God, somebody, here's the ball. He might have shot put it. He could have shot put it through him, and it, it would have been the same. So <clears throat> um, the pass protection is not good. I don't mind the scheme. You can only do so much. Everything's a three- or four-man turn. Certain guys are going to be one-on-one. We need to teach the backs and the tackles how to really have relation on chip blocks. I'd like to see more inside out max protection with Russell or Lynch on the field and then them leaking to the to the hot route adjustments and the and the little dump offs that could we could just absolutely murder down the field if we could just do it, but we don't do it. Um, I would teach him to go check down first right now. I don't care if he's checked down Charlie and then run the ball. Like if it's check down run, whatever. First read check down run. Bam, that's that's what we're doing. Uh, but at the same time, I'd like for him to be like taught the pass protections. I'd love for him to walk up and go, hey, it's 5-0, one on one. Or hey, yeah, he's the mic, because then he knows where it's coming from. I don't necessarily think it's on the offensive line to know everything. Um, I think the quarterback and the center should be working hand in hand, and everybody needs to know everything to be ultimately successful. And I don't fucking think it's that hard. My dumbass moved from defense to offense in the NFL and I learned it in like three weeks and I teach it to everyone. I've got high school kids that know how to do pass protection better than Lewis and he's the starting quarterback at CU. So I'm just saying dog, like everything is fixable if people are willing to accept the fact that what we're doing is not working and it has to be changed. And it, but in, in, until that fact is accepted, we're fucked. So if it's going to be feelings football in Boulder, I'm out. I can't do it anymore. It's driving me absolutely nuts. If it's going to be fundamentals and and uh, fundamental football in Boulder, and we're going to talk about how to fix the shit, and we're not going to worry about everybody's egos and feelings and shit, I'm in. So it's extremely fixable if we just start implementing advanced concepts and stop acting like they can't handle it. I think it's so ridiculous that coaches are afraid of putting something in because they think the kid can't handle it. What? What are we fucking talking about? We're so so we're playing everything's fear-based then. So that that's what I have to believe is going on right now is they they are so eager to change everything but the quarterback. Don't you notice that? It, it's, it is true. It is true. And like the fact everybody that we else haven't seen on a, other than same. Brady Russell, it's a short leash, right? Absolutely. But for some reason we have not seen Drew Carter. And I mean, I guess it's worth noting that Carl said that they are going to probably go to like almost like a one, a one B type of situation at quarterback, but we've heard basically the same thing 
a couple of times at this point. So you just believe it when you see it. I don't believe it. I don't believe them. I think fair. And to be honest with you, I know people are going to roll their eyes at this, but I want, I'd like to see Jordan Worthington get a chance. The last time a walk on quarterback played, his name was Joel fucking Clatt. So I don't want to hear it can't be done. I watched the man walk on the field and beat CSU and Bradley Van Pelt's over fucking rated ass in the rain, 42-35, and throw for 400 yards to be the national player of the week as a walk-on. So why can't Worthington do it? I know that homeboy can spin it. He's Dungeon Family. He's one of my guys. He enrolled early. Mm-hmm. So, look, I know I'm fired up right now, dog. I'm hurt. This shit has got to fucking change. And look, I don't really care who's doing it. Like, if, 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 if Jordan was the starter and he was this bad, I'd be even more pissed off probably. But I, it, he would get the same treatment. Mm-hmm. Like, what, what's worse, I guess? Getting fired and looking ridiculous and having the worst fucking offense in the country or – listening to a radio show and getting offended because an ex-player who loves that fucking place <laughs> and has a ton of players on the field is pissed off. And that's our job. Like, exactly. I'm not just hinting. This is what we do and shit. Exactly. Like, this is, we're at work right now. Exactly. And uh, you so, know, what? One, one more question before we take a break. You know, you mentioned you, you want to see the uh, captain badges back. You want permanent captains. I'm, I'm with you on yes. that. Which offensive lineman do you give the C to? Frank. Why? Or or Colby. The yeah, Colby's a senior, yep. right? Yeah. It's either got to be Colby or Kerry. They're the two seniors. Frank started a lot of football games. I I really like Frank. He's gonna when he gets his feet back underneath him, I think he's I think Frank's a pro. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's young too. So you're gonna get Frank, Jake, and Casey for all their struggles right now. Them coming back and having going through every game this year is starters because those three are starting every game that like only it. helps us build for the future but carrie and, and colby are both seniors they're both gone after this year so i would probably give it to colby probably the center okay that's i think that's name, a good right? call colby. i think it's a good call yeah um, my, my my cat if we had four captains which is the way it's been done there for god knows how long they would be landman uh landman carson Colby and Brady probably well, Landman, Guy Thomas, Colby, mm. and uh guy's a senior, isn't he? I think he's guy's a, junior, a junior, actually. Yeah. Junior. But but he okay, would be a senior, so then, not for then, the COVID. Hold on, time out. I forgot about Lang. It would be Lang. Yeah. Lang, Nate, Colby, and Brady. Yep. And then, and then the yeah. two names I'd throw in there. I think you probably got right Carson could easily be a captain too yep so Dimitri Stanley might be a conversation too he's he's, I I probably wouldn't do anybody that's not a senior this year and honestly it's not my place to pick and it's not the coach's place to pick you know who picks the teammates the players so that that's really the point like and I would do it right fucking now I'd walk in I would shut the doors and I wouldn't make it an option I would make it hey coach Durrell we're doing this we're not asking permission. We're asking fucking forgiveness if you don't like it. Otherwise, Nate, Carson, Colby, Lang, and who was the other one? Brady. Yep. All of them slap a C on their chest so everybody knows who to look at. Coach Barnett said it blatantly on the radio that there's no leadership on this team other than Lamman and Brady. And that man knows. He does know. And uh, we know that Brackenridge Brewery makes the best beers in Denver. Um, this is true. It, they are so good. Uh, I was out at that Broncos tailgate yesterday. Uh, had some, I actually had the good company seltzers. I don't think I had any beers out there before at the bar at the tailgate. Uh, we did, uh, we did have a couple strawberry skies. So I, I had some of those too. Um, and I'm glad I did because that was an ugly performance that uh, Matt will get a chance to talk about on some other podcast. Uh, but they're great beers. They made yesterday a lot more enjoyable. They make every day a lot more enjoyable. And uh, the summer's almost over but you, you still have time to get in on uh, that this deal that they have where every time that you buy beer, 1% of the profits go to the National Parks Conservation Association. Just one more great thing that Breckenridge Brewery does on top of supporting us and making the things that we do possible, making the tailgates possible, uh, including the, the Buffs tailgate, DMVR Buffs tailgate up at CU before home games. 
Um, so remember that supporting our partners is supporting us. We really appreciate when you do that. And uh, go check out some Breckenridge beers because we promise you will not be disappointed. Um, I was disappointed last night, though, because I put probably too much money on the uh, the the New England Patriots. Patriots. Yep. I'm a, I'm a big Mac Jones believer. I really thought that so, – so the first thing, so you had that touchdown drive. I bet before that drive on that drive to be a touchdown at like plus 350 or something like that. I was like, okay, I'm riding with these guys the rest of the way. Yep. Um, and, and put some money down, I think, at like plus 250 or so for them to end up beating the Bucks, And the field goal hits the post. And to be honest, like Tom Brady <laughs> probably finds a way to pull that game out of his ass regardless. But to see the kicker miss – that's just a brutal way to go down. Um, sure but, is. Uh, I mean, a lot of people made money on the other side because they were smart, knew well, that the Bucks were going to win. I mean, that's the beauty of that's the beauty of betting. I mean, look, yep. man, I went thirteen and one this this week. I had a fourteen leg parlay Saturday <laughs> for college football, and I had Arkansas plus eighteen and a half, and they got hammered. Yep. If Arkansas would have scored three touchdowns, I would have made thirty grand. Oh, thirteen and one. Wow! Wow! Yep. Uh, and if you want to take take your shot at winning a bunch of money, you can actually get a, a risk-free same-game parlay on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Um, the way it works is you throw 25 bucks down, up to 25 bucks on whatever same-game parlay. So you can take the quarterback to throw for however many yards, uh, running back to get a touchdown. You can bet on sacks or like scores, any of those different things. Combine all those, the odds obviously go up because you need all of them to hit. And like I said, it's risk-free. So if the bet doesn't hit, you get your money back. It's a great deal. I didn't hit mine this weekend. It was a rough weekend for me, honestly. Uh, but uh, you... Me too. Can... I yep. It was really rough. Um, but if, if anybody wants to uh, pretty much guarantee that they will start on the right track, you can take a bet on any NFL game, put $1 down or $1 down, and you'll wind up with $150 in free bets instantly regardless of whether your bet hits or not. It's a great deal, and it's this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right. Um, you know, I think that I have, like, your, your biggest notes on how you fix this offense, um, but I, I want to know, like I said, that uh, – they are changing things and they're reevaluating what their strengths are because they think they got it wrong. And to be honest, like if they didn't get their strengths wrong, then this is just an awful football team. Um, so I want to ask and they're not you, 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 you want to see more power running and I'm right there with you. You want to see more heavy formations. What, what else 80, do you want to see? 20 at this point, bro. Like, I don't care if it's air force type football, we don't have to run triple option, but the only way that we can exploit the receivers who I don't know if they can play or not because we can't throw the ball. Yep. Um, it's through play action. And again, like if he can't figure out a way to throw off play action after we run the ball 70 times in a the game, then what, I don't know what to tell you. So <laughs> I'm dead serious when I say this, but I, I want to see them line up and get as physical as humanly possible in the trench and that alone will open up everything else. But they have to be taught the proper technique on how to do this shit. We need to line up and technically soundly annihilate these people mm-hmm. and move them. And the back has to hit the right hole at the right time. And it's it's been done in Boulder for four. Every good buff team in history has been a run first, kick your fucking ass football team. And if we don't do it, we're dead. We're, we're not going to win another fucking game. I agree. Period. Um, and and I, I like, look, I can get super technical on how to do it, but people don't know what the hell I'm talking about, number one. And number two, it has to be implemented by the offensive line coach, the quarterback coach, the running back coach, the tight end coach, and the offensive coordinator. They have to get in the room and go, look, no more of this 11 personnel bullshit. We're lining up with our personnel the way it is. We're going to reteach how to do deuce, ace, tray, gang, squeeze gaps, protection calls. We're going to reevaluate what we're doing and make sure that everything we're doing is conducive to our personnel excelling. 
And the fact that they can't do that, and I hope they can during the bye week, this bye week needs to be a come to Jesus for the players and the coaches. Mm-hmm. If, they, if I see the same exact personnel groupings and scheme and the technique problems, like, again, what we were talking about, the shoulder-to-shoulder, hip-to-hip aspect of double-teaming, the proper footwork in your double-teams, the inside step to gain the three-technique down on you so we can elevate him with the inside post player and then drive him hand-in-hip and scale up with the outside drive player, post, drive, climb. Is the linebacker here? Are they behind the offensive lineman or the or the three technique, the defensive lineman? Is that a heavy call? Is it a mid call? Is it a quick call? Are we ricocheting off of it? Are we actually utilizing our athletes up front to, to make this work? Are we utilizing our multiple tight ends? I haven't seen Alex Pell run a seam route yet. That son of a bitch can fly. He is a baller. Mm-hmm. At least they're using Chase Penry, true freshman who's more dungeon family. Pell's dungeon family. Like, Come on, use your pieces. And 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 I my thing is my question to you is very simple. I don't want to sound like I'm ranting because I am and I'm pissed <laughs> and I can't help it. Will they actually change? Or is it just talk? Like I I don't know. I know these guys so well personally, but I don't know them as coaches. I'm not in that room. We're not talking the about part. the defense. Like I know Coach Wilson. I heard. To be honest, I was in the locker room and Coach Wilson's voice is by far the loudest voice on the team. And I'm not just talking like hypothetically or, or, or like in a, in a, in a manner that's like a, a narrative or anything. Like he is, he's just allows some bitch number one, mm-hmm. but you can tell like he, his unit responds to him and they play hard as shit. And I think they're pretty good defensively. If we can get any support whatsoever, we're not dead fucking last on offense in every category. So my question is like, will they change, Henry? I mean, I, I'm saying that, that's that's you're really that is what I wanted to hear. Holy yep. nuts, dude! Yep. I mean, they have to, right? Like, I mean, the, the the concerning part is that they haven't to this point. That that there hasn't been significant changes, and because of that, again, it's similar to the Drew Carter thing, where it's like that we might see a little bit more of him going forward, but we just haven't had that happen. And so, how do not put him in? I don't, I don't know. I don't How know. do you not put him in in the last two games so you can see? Just to see. So you can evaluate if he can play. And, and even just for political reasons. Even just so you can say, so, hey, look, this is why he hasn't been playing. We're not, we're not just idiots. to recruits? Like, in my opinion, this is how, this is, there's like, it's like three or four prongs. Number one, we're not finding out if he can play. So that mm-hmm. sucks because we need to. Like, he's the same year as Lewis, right? So uh, you're well, behind. Okay. Well, still, yep. he's back COVID in quarterback, so we need to figure out if that kid can play. Okay. Maybe he can throw the ball on time. Maybe he can complete a slant route. Holy shit. And then maybe we got a quarterback. I don't know. Maybe. No one knows because we haven't seen him play. Number two, um, from a recruiting standpoint, like how do you really convince some big time quarterback kid to come here? If he can't, if this quarterback play, that we're watching doesn't drive the other kid to the field. Like that's some Cody Hawkins shit. And Cody was actually pretty good. Like Cody could complete the ball at least, but he never got pulled regardless of what he did. Like Lewis, Lewis doesn't, is there blackmail? What the fuck does this kid have to do to get pulled? Okay. That's number two. Number three, they keep talking about Lewis's like mental stability. If he gets pulled, right? Like we don't want to screw his confidence up. Right. Right? So there was a big conversation after the game where he got asked, you know, right. do, do you worry about the fact that maybe it hurts his confidence more to, to stay in and take the beating? And he said, you know, it's a Carl said it's a thin line. You, you got to play it one way or the worried, other. And maybe we got it wrong. Worried about confidence, correct? Yeah. But this other kid's confidence, fuck him. <laughs> I mean, I can't even imagine where his confidence is. I mean, but for real, like point. Yeah. What can you imagine what he's hearing from parents and like everybody, anybody? The narrative is we're dead last playing quarterback in the country in every category that means anything. Mm-hmm. We've got we're dead last in touchdowns thrown, gotta be. We're dead last in QBR, we're dead last in yards per game. Like, come on, man. Tell me these numbers, but we've got other than like army or some shit that never throws the ball. Are we dead last in every category? Oh, uh, I was just pulling these up. Let's see. So 
Uh, the NCAA website kind of sucks. So bottom one, two, three, four, five in passing yards. Uh, you've got Navy, Army, Air Force, San Diego State, then Colorado. And that's, uh, that's total passing yards. Oh, and Colorado's played one more game than two of those teams. Okay. So we're that bad. <laughs> And that's on paper. I didn't just, I'm not just saying no, it. I'm sorry, no. whoever's offended. Um, and he can't get on the field. Can you imagine how his confidence feels? Like, can't be what, good. Does, what do I have to do to get on the field? Number one. Number two, we're this terrible. And he just keeps playing this guy. And like, Drew Carter's got to be sitting there like, can I even play? Mm-hmm. it's not like he's the backup quarterback in the nfl where he's like taught how to deal with this shit and he's 30 years old with a couple of kids he's like <laughs> fucking 12 bro he's 18 yeah. years old he doesn't know how to which, deal with this shit speaking of which i was actually walking in behind josh mccown and and owen mccown to the game and i don't really have too much to to add but i was kind of surprised again just how small owen mccown is like I, he's listed like 175 pounds and he's like okay He's gonna have a real chance to win this quarterback competition next year. He better he better start eating or something. Hey, look, you know what? I'm just gonna say this, and I know I'm biased, but AJ Jackson at Douglas County High School. I posted a bunch of film on him today. I posted his top five. I just got off the phone with Nebraska, Oregon State, and UCLA about him. He's a three-star recruit on on two four seven. He is a monster of a player and an unbelievable talent at quarterback. He's from St. Louis originally. If he was still in East St. Louis where he's originally from and he was in that environment where they give a shit. And Douglas County where he plays is 6-0 and and, and ranked. Like they're on the up because of his play and his leadership. He's a, he gets his guys in there from Douglas County at 5 a.m. in the morning, three days a week. Like he's a, he's a ball playing Jesse, man. He's the kind of guy you want. He'd be at Illinois or Missouri already and and gone if he was in St. Louis still. He just happens to be in Castle Rock. And CU's not really recruiting him that hard. They're bringing him up to a game in there every now and then, but they're slow playing him. And like, oh, I don't know if this kid can play there. He ran 4-6 at CSU's camp in front of me. He can play receiver and DB. Like, look at his tape, bro, and tell me this kid can't play. There's the first play on his highlight tape that I posted is so similar to the first play of, of the year in Teddy Bridgewater when he did the Giants inside out, stiff arming a dude, rocking in the ball 30 yards down the field, and he can dig. And and that's the kind of kid you recruit and bring to Boulder and turn into a goddamn pro. So that, that like it goes full circle, bro. Like it, it, you can't just recruit off 247's website, number one. There's guys in your backyard that can play. You got to develop the talent. Like, I understand McCown is a hell of a player. That's great. What's going to happen when he comes here and he, the lack of development? Is he going to hold the ball like it's his child? Who knows? I also just pulled up. Uh, so team quarterback rating in all of FBS. Worst is Navy. Then UConn, Georgia Southern, North Texas, then Colorado. Just, just to brighten your day a little bit. Um, let's see. What, what else do we have to get to? Um, want, want to dig into the Carl Durrell camera stuff? Right. This will be something a fun one. Something else terrible to talk about. <laughs> if you have something fun to talk about, I'm down. Just when you thought it couldn't get any worse. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, and, and the thing is, okay, first of all, for those of you who didn't see the clip, as, as Carl Durrell was running off the field after, like, shaking hands with the opponents, um, they, he had, like, a camera. It was kind of, like, a little below his waist-ish. It was kind of lower, closer to the ground. He's running by. Just kind of gives it a little stiff arm. Um, tweet comes out from Rick George saying that, that he apologizes. Um, the, the, I think the next day we heard that he, uh, he had reached out to the, the person who was holding the camera, I think from CBS four and apologized in person, all that kind of stuff. So, um, that's, that's kind of what went on there. The biggest surprise to me is that that doesn't seem like Carl Durrell's personality. You know, there's coaches where you see something like that and you're like, yeah, that guy's an asshole. But with Carl, this is, I think kind of a shift from, from what we've seen from him over the last 18 months or so. What would happen if a, if one of the players did this? Suspension? Be easy. Yeah. 
be totally ridiculed and that's unacceptable and all that bullshit. Right? I think so. I think he's probably sitting okay, so again, maybe again like not more than just one, I bet. Simple, simple apology. That's it. For something that's totally out of his character, I agree. But usually when you do stupid shit as an individual, that's pretty much out of character for everybody. The fair? Um, look, I'm not. A, I'm definitely not one to preach here. I've done my fair share of dumb bullshit, but this is totally out of frustration and totally out of Carl's character. And I hope he learns from it. And I, I appreciate the fact that he personally apologized to the guy. And it's not really that big of a deal, but it could have been. Mm-hmm. It could have I mean, been a huge deal. Like he, the guy could charge us, charge him for assault if he wanted to. I'm sure. Yep. Like you can't I'm, just can't do that kind of shit. You can't just walk around slapping motherfuckers and and like acting like it's okay. So, um, especially on film after a game. So I. Uh, that's the worst part. Is it's a like, camera? It's pretty, like pretty it's not. It's not like though. people aren't going to find out. Yeah. Because it's literally a camera that you are running up to. Yeah. Like that it's is going to get out. So I, I don't know how I don't know how it's being perceived in the media. I don't even know if people are talking about it or even care. I think it's even worse that like people don't really give a shit because if it happened at Alabama, it would be front page news. So that gives you an idea of how like we look at CU one way because we cover them and I played there. I like we love it. Mm-hmm. Certain other people look at CU like we give that shit two thumbs down, and that sucks. So they may not even care at this point, and that is even worse. Like, yeah. shit, that's it's a good kind point. of a big story. I, I'm very uh, – if it's gotten that bad up there where the emotional stability of Carl Durrell is on display like this, and I know him and how calm he is, yep. holy shit, bro. Like, I'm telling you, the tension – you could feel the tension in the room, in the locker room before the game. Huh. And I, I thought it was a good tension. Like, these guys are about to pop off. Here we go. But it was once things started to go bad in that game, it's like the quicksand mentality, dog. It's the harder you try and get out of the quicksand, the further you sink. And see, you st- stuck in quicksand right now. And now Carl's in the quicksand, too, because he's doing shit that's out of his character. Mm-hmm. Guys are trying to make plays when they should be doing their jobs. Everybody's trying to just apply effort and intensity and, like, emotion to this myself included i'm not exempt from it and it's probably not the best way to do things right now so again consistency and like little things really really mean something in this game and that is so out of his character and inconsistent with what we've seen from carl for so long um he's not getting fired or anything they own 14 million bucks but i i mean i I wouldn't put it past the administration to suspend him for a game if, if, if like, if worse came to worst. But I honestly don't think anybody gives a shit. So it'll just be brushed under the rug and everybody will move forward. Yeah. And I do know that the university is really upset. Like the university outside just the athletics department is pretty upset. So I, I, I you could see something like that happening. Well, uh, um, people in Boulder are upset about something other than getting their asses beat. <laughs> I, I when guess. it comes to Colorado football, so there's huh. no way, Henry. Huh. I am sh- I personally, as an ex-player there, I am shocked. I am so stunned that the University of Colorado <laughs> and their, the non-football side of CU mm-hmm. really, really is upset about a camera getting slapped, but not the football team getting slapped. Who could have seen that coming? But, but that makes it makes total sense, too. I'm fucking outraged. Yep, just can't do stuff like that. Um... <laughs> Before we get out of here, any any final thoughts? Um, yeah, here. This is my final thought. I love this place. I love the University of Colorado like it's a child. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the only place I ever wanted to fucking play. I value my time there, my five years there as the, the prime of my life. Like the NFL was cool, but it's a business. I'm glad I got to do it. But CU is my shit, and I love that place with every ounce of my being. And uh, this hurts. And it's not just hurting me. It's hurting Lawrence Vickers and Michael Westbrook and Chris Hudson and Alfred Williams and Canavis McGee and Cordell Stewart and the late, great Rashawn Salam and the late, great Sal Alessi and Eric Bieniemy and Dan Graham. and every- I mean, it's hurt to everyone. I can't tell you how many guys I talked to, Bob Cusimano, Coach Barnett, to sit there and watch the way this is playing out 
And it hurts Coach Derek Shiverini hurt. It hurts him too. It hurts Carl Durrell. It hurts Coach Wilson. It hurts Coach Rod. It hurts. Coach Hagan's hurt. They need your support right now and they need your help. They do not need everybody sitting there yelling, you fucking suck. I understand I'm harsh on them at times on shows like this, but I don't think it's harsh. It's it's tough love, bro. It's real. It's just it's what's real. Happening. It's tough love. They don't suck. They're they're not being used correctly. The coaches can figure this out. They're good coaches that get paid a lot of money to do this job. They can handle the heat of the criticism and they can handle the fucking pressure and they can do this shit. And every time somebody tells them they can't do it, they're listening to that right now. And that's not what they need to hear. They need to hear they can't fucking do it. That this bye week is an opportunity to get right and go lay it on somebody's ass against Arizona and get some consistency, both in the coaching and the message, who the captains are who the leaders are, what is our overall team message? What are we trying to accomplish other than making sure everybody's egos intact when we suck? So my message to them is very, very clear. When I buy into a statement as an 18 year old kid, and really I bought in at 16 when coach Neuheisel offered me when I was at Baylor in front of my parents. And he said to me, the pride and tradition of the Colorado Buffaloes will not fucking be entrusted to the timid or the weak. I believed it, and I still do. <laughs> and the men in that room have got to start believing it too and believing in themselves because they have the power to be great, but they have to stop doubting and fix this shit. And it takes hard conversation, and it's not easy, and it's not fucking supposed to be. So they need to really look at themselves hard and go, look, the egos and all the fucking male pride bullshit can go out the door. We have to put the best players on the field. We have to put them in a position to be successful. And if that means that every fucking thing has to change from the top to the bottom, then every fucking thing has to change. So I am confident that they will do this and they will move forward in a productive manner that is conducive to them being what they should be because that fucking defense has the potential to be really good and i need more out of them too i'm not going to sit there and act like i don't they're not exempt from this shit they got pushed around the last two weeks because number one they're fucking tired but number two they are starting to doubt as well so fix it that's what they get paid for that's why the light's on them if you don't want the light on you resign that's it. So beat Arizona. That's the fucking goal here. You got two weeks. Get your shit together. That's all I got for you today, bro. This, this shit is hurting me, and I, I'm not trying to get all emotional with Buff Country or anything, but I fucking love this place, and we're better than this shit. We'll leave it at that. Um, I'll have a podcast again next or tomorrow, and we'll uh, get you back on next week before the Arizona game. Who knows? Maybe we'll be hearing some good things about some big changes, and <laughs> we'll see what happens against Arizona. Thanks for coming on, Matt, and we will uh, talk again next week. Amen, Henry. Go Buffs.